Good morning. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Outdoor Service Church of Christ. Uh, so this is pretty awesome. We get a chance to be able to worship outside together. We get a chance to be able to have some fun uh, outdoors after service is over. And actually, it's pretty awesome. Today's theme uh, for the week uh, for our summer campaign, Compelled, uh, is, is Compelled to Connect. And so we actually have some more invitations and some more uh, schedules for the summer if you don't have one. But what a better time and place to, to preach on connecting with people than to be have so many people just right here right now for us to actually right after service go to be able to connect with people. Amen. Uh, and so this is a chance to be able to look at what is evangelism, uh, what is sharing our faith, uh, what is proselytizing. That's, we don't use that one too much. But what does it mean to really share with people our faith and the world uh, doesn't really have a great perspective on this one the world says well uh, don't do that uh, you can believe whatever you want just don't try to convert me you can believe whatever you want do in the privacy of your own life but don't tell me about it uh, don't try to share it with me and so we're going to look at today what does it really mean to evangelize in our communion so this is going to be a half sermon half communion, and so we'll actually be able to end up uh, the service today taking the bread and the juice. If you were concerned that we skipped that part, uh, don't worry, it's coming up soon. Uh, so hop over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and uh, we'll be able to start here. Now in Luke chapter 9, if you were to only read Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus actually calls his apostles to go do three things to go preach, uh, to go heal the sick, and to drive out demons. Now, if you were just to read that, you might say, oh, thank God, only the leaders have to do this. <laughs> you know, only, the, only Drew and only the full-time staff have to actually share their faith and convert people. Uh, that's their job. In fact, we pay them for that, so why don't they do it? You know, I got stuff to do. I got other things to do, right? Now, if you were to only read Luke 9, you might think that, but Luke chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus expands the horizons a little bit beyond just the apostles. Right. And it says in verse 1, I have the NASB, so it's a little different probably from your version, but just hang in there with me. Luke 10, chapter, one, uh, chapter 10, verse 1, rather, says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them in pairs ahead of Him to every city and place where He Himself was going to come. And He was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His field. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep on moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat what is set before you, and heal those in it who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, it will be more tolerable 
in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. Those are foreign cities. Okay, that's why it's such a big deal. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. The one who listens to you listens to me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The title of my lesson today is Called to be Messengers. It could be easy for us to think, you know, what's, what's the reason you and I have been called? If you're a disciple this morning, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you've gone into the waters of baptism and repented, what is the point of all that? Why have you been brought in? What's the real point of all of it? And the thing that Jesus says here in Luke 10 is we are all called to be messengers, not just the, uh, not just the apostles there. And the apostles were called to do three things, right? To preach which is essentially to communicate truth to someone, uh, to drive out demons. What does that mean? Well, driving out demons is essentially helping someone be uh, liberated from their sin. Uh, think about addictions or sins, stubborn sins. Uh, and the third would be to heal the sick. You might think, well, I can't do that. But we, healing the sick, all that meant was is uh, bridging, mending relationships, mending communities. Every time Jesus healed somebody, uh, what what came along with the healing was not just, oh, I don't have a skin ailment anymore, is actually, no, I'm no longer uh, an outsider in my society. I'm actually brought back into the community. And so we actually are called to do all three of those things, to communicate truth to people, to help liberate people from their sin, and to help mend communities. As Chris Garber mentioned in his welcome, we see communities in the world today are being uh, separated, and people are being disconnected. We're actually called to, to bridge those gaps. And you could say, well, hold on, I don't know if I'm really equipped for all that. I don't know if that's really my job. Oh, I have three quick points this morning. The first one is the mission. Okay. If you read this verse, what do you see is so prevalent here is the word sent. I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. Go. Why 72? Well, if you read Genesis 10 and the table of nations that are listed there, how many nations are listed in Genesis 10? 72. And so it was this idea that there were 72 nations in the whole world. So what's the point being made? Hey, we got to go to all of them, amen. we got to reach out to everybody, even those people in Tyre and Sidon. Because guess what? They probably will repent if you preach to them, even though you have prejudice against them. Even those people in Sodom who are so sinful, because you've read about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis. Right. And if you haven't, you know what that, those words even mean to this day. And Jesus goes, even they would have repented. Even they're going to have a better situation than you. We have to go preach to people. But there's a problem because, I don't know about you, but when I try to share my faith with people, they don't always respond 
with excitement. Like, oh, you're going to invite me to church? Oh, thank you. I was waiting for you to say that. Usually it's met with awkward silence uh, or, you know, some sort of uh, weird uh, hostility, sometimes even vocal hostility of like, you shouldn't do that. Why would you say that? It's not none of your business. We have jobs, right, where it's like, uh, it's not, it's not appropriate to talk about those things that are jobs. And we have the world telling us to not share our faith. Even on campus, where it's a bit more tolerable to share your faith. Even there, it's, it's you know, not as easy probably as it could be. People look down on you, and it, whether they're religious or not, sometimes the most persecution comes from the religious. But people don't really want to hear it. They don't really want to hear it. And what the world says is, well, you can't really tell me an absolute truth. There are no absolute truth claims in the world. So you can't share your faith or you shouldn't convert me. It's fine for you to believe it, but don't try to convert me. Well, what are they actually saying? What are they actually actually telling us? You're telling me that if I actually really believe it, I shouldn't tell anyone. Therefore, you're telling me to not really believe it. You're telling me to not really have faith. It's like saying, I have the cure for cancer. It's fine if you have the cure for cancer, but don't tell anyone. It's fine if you have it, but just keep it within the family, will you? Don't tell anybody else. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? But what the world doesn't realize is that by telling you not to share your faith because there are no absolute truths in the world, they're making an absolute truth claim. Right. They're yeah. telling you, they're telling you, adopt my worldview. Adopt my paradigm. The way I view things is better than yours. You should not share your faith with people. Everyone is sharing their faith. Everyone at your job is proselytizing. Everyone you're around is trying to convince you that their worldview is best. And they may not see it that way, they don't want to say it that way, because it sounds too narrow-minded for their conscience, but they're preaching to you just like you're trying to preach to them. And we are quitting faster than they are quitting. We are giving up. We are getting fearful and insecure and nervous, and we're made to feel ashamed for something that should not make us feel ashamed. But here's the thing, is even back then, I can think maybe back then if Jesus like commissioned me, like looked me in the eye and said, Drew, go preach to the water park people, go tell them the truth, I might be more excited, you know, maybe, but even Jesus is like, man, you're like sheep's going to some wolves, okay? It's still going to be difficult, but if we believe it, if we really believe it, we got to do it. Right. And maybe I actually flipped the logic of that sentence. You'll do it if, you'll really, if you really believe it. If we really believe we will share our faith with people. And you might feel like, I'm not equipped. I don't really know what to do. I don't really know how, what to say. Jesus says, listen, you are, you're good to go. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2.10. Jot that one down to look at later. But it says, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he appointed in advance for us to do. What does that mean? The word there is actually, you're going to love it because... We love the word craft nowadays. It's a craft brewery. It's a craft cider. It's a craft whatever. Craft uh, rocking chair. Oh, it's craft. I I can pay double for it now. So it's craft, right? That word there, handiwork, workmanship. It means God has crafted you. And not only has God crafted you, he's crafted works in advance for you to do. God appointed these people to be here today. He appointed these people to walk in. He appointed the person sitting next to you to sit next to you. The world doesn't believe that. The world believes everything is random and nothing means anything. And everything just kind of happens. It's just coincidence. But Jesus says, no, I've appointed you. I've sent you. Instead of just randomness, it's sentness. You've actually been placed here with a purpose. 
You've been placed here with a purpose. And Jesus backs you up. Isn't that nice? He yeah. says, by the way, if they reject you, hey, guess who got rejected first? Right. Me. And guess who even was rejected before me? God. So you're not alone in this. You're actually sharing in it. And so we have a mission. But number two, we also have a message. A lot of times we think that our message is just advice. Like, oh, my message is to tell people how to live. Don't do that, do that, don't do that, do that. Everyone's doing that, by the way, not just, you, not just Christians. Everyone's telling people how to live. Uh, I have a bad habit. I can't, I really struggle not to eavesdrop. Like if I'm in a coffee shop and someone's next to me talking, I have to turn. I have to always have headphones with me because I, it's just so tempting to just eavesdrop, you know. And I just love it. Like I just, it's just so compelling to me. But you know what I hear most of the time is people in coffee shop, they're giving advice to each other. You can't do that. She did what? She can't do that. She should do this. He did what? He can't do that. He should do this. It's all just everyone's giving advice to everybody, right? And so we can think that as Christians, that's all we're doing. It's just giving somebody advice. But that's not what we're doing. It's a part of what we're doing. And sure, we do those things, but it's not what we're doing. We're doing so much more than that as Jesus helps the apostles and the the, the disciples here in a second. But the reason that we're brought in is so that we can be sent out. Jesus' love is too great. Why would he bring you in just to keep you in? Jesus brings in Abraham in Genesis so he can do what? Go out! I've brought you in. I've shown you the love. I've shown you what you need, that the, the love and the acceptance that your heart craves. You used to find it in men or women or your job, but you've seen that that's all nothing now. I've brought you in. Now go tell other people the joy that you have. When Jesus brings in uh, Moses, the burning bush, what does he say? Go! And Moses says, I'm not a speaker. And he says, well, okay, uh, you'll be fine. I'll give you the words. Go! And Moses says, Can I have my friend Aaron come? God says, okay, but go, go, go. This is the point, Moses. This is the point. And that's kind of how we are, right? Like, "Ah, I don't know. Like, sure, they're right there, but I I don't know. Like, how do I even do that? Like, I I brought spike ball, and I really wanted to be in a tournament today and really show Drew who's the best spike ball player, but I I don't know. Like, maybe I shouldn't. And, like, listen, like, God's put us here with this purpose of being sent out. It doesn't mean you have to move. Some of you might need to stay, amen. Some of you might need to move. But the goal is, are we going? Are we being sent out in our lives? All of us have people to be able to reach out to. Wednesday, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. But today, the goal is that we all understand what our purpose truly is. When God calls Isaiah, what does he say? Isaiah, you're my guy. And Isaiah says, I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. I have sin. I can't do this. I'm no good. That stops us from sharing our faith too, right? I can't share my faith. If you know, I've only been a Christian for two months. If you knew my history, oh, I could never do it. But God, right, he brings down the coal, cleans his mouth, and then he says, and then Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah says, I'll go. Jeremiah, I'll go. Look at every prophet ever. They're all insecure at first. They're all like, I can't do it. But God says it's not about you. It's a message that we have. Number one is the mission. Number two is the message. And number three is the motivation. Now, you might be listening to all this and you struggle with, well, I don't know. There's a reason that the world is fearful of absolute truth claims. 
There's a reason that when you share your, when you say, do you go to a church around here, somebody gets maybe tense. Or when you say, do you believe in God? Or what do you think about Jesus Christ? People get a little weird. And they don't know how to respond. You could ask them like about anything else and they'll like talk for 10 minutes. But that one makes them feel uncomfortable. There's a reason because the world and religious people and perhaps even us have abused absolute truth claims. We've actually, in our insecurity, have, told, have even said this to people or acted like this. I have the truth. You don't. So what? Or we've even shared our faith with somebody and they didn't respond so well. And we can think, well, at least I know what I'm doing and you don't. And we, we get prideful. We get arrogant. And then we even look down on people who don't have it. On, and if Drew. we don't say it, we feel it. Come on, Drew. And, and our motivation gets really out of whack. And actually, that's, that has destroyed the world. Look at the major world conflicts of the 20th century. World War II, World War I. All these conflicts are based on absolute truth claims. This is the way to live life. If not, we will deal with you. We will kill you. We will marginalize you. Based on race, based on class, based on sex. Based on all these things. Why do you think the world is responding the way they do? Because we have to be careful, church, that we don't have the wrong motivation. Because we can really hurt people if we make absolute truth claims with the wrong motivation. And that's what the the people come back with. Do you see it? They come back with, ah, Jesus, guess what? Even the demons are subject to us. It's the first thing they say. And notice... Why is it so bad to celebrate that, right? Look, it's true, right? Like, oh man, look what we did. But notice it's not, look at all the people we helped. Or it's not, look at this, this person I'm really trying to love. It's, no, how they submit to us. Right. And so you can see all the right. problem with sharing our faith. can be It can quickly become about us. And we take it hard. We take it hard. You know, I invited my, uh, my neighbor to church today. Great guy, great guy. And, you know, he and his wife said no. And they were very, very polite about it, like really polite. And I still was hurt. I still was like, ah. Oh. And I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a wuss about that, right? Like, he didn't even yell at me or he, no, he just politely said no. And I'm still, I'm still like, Cause why? Because I make it about me. And I think, ah, oh, did I not do it right? Did I not say the right thing? And should we have had him over for dinner first and played cards? Or should we not? Or should I have my wife do it because she's more pleasant than I am? Like, what? what would have really got these guys here? And I make it all about Drew. I make it all about me. And Jesus says, okay, guys, I love what you're doing, but I don't love your motivation right now. I don't love why you're doing it. It is good to celebrate, okay, that you have been given authority. He says, I gave you authority to trample on some snakes. You do have the authority, but don't celebrate that. Celebrate that your names are written in the book. Celebrate that you guys are going to heaven. And there's something amazing I mentioned earlier about Jesus and advice and how we think it's, this is all just about giving people superior advice. It's not, because there's already parents... Uh, self-help workshops about parenting out there. There's self-help workshops about your drug addiction out there. There's a lot of self-help stuff out there. We're not just trying to give advice to people. And Jesus says something incredible. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What in the world does that mean? He means I was there. This changes everything. You know, the word gospel, which is a word we use and the word that the early church or the early Christians picked to kind of characterize what we're sharing, the word, the word gospel was something, was, an, was a, a history-changing event. And it was something that, that, that was an event that happened that, that just changed everyone's lives. 
And we have a document that says, so begins the gospel of the birth of Julius Caesar. It's this idea of like once Caesar was born in Rome, they sent out heralds all over the Roman Empire saying, Caesar is born! And you couldn't go, okay, he's your Caesar, he ain't my Caesar. Hashtag not my Caesar. Right? You couldn't do that. He was your Caesar whether you liked it or not. And guess what? You were going to have to respond to it. It wasn't just some advice you could take or leave. No, this was something you had to respond to. And if Jesus was there when Satan fell before time, what does that mean? It means he's God. And it means that we have to respond to it. We have to give this, this life-changing event a response. This isn't just, hey, let me just offer some advice to you, buddy. It's do you really know who Jesus is? He's God. He's Lord. We have to respond to that. Jesus is Lord, and Jesus says, listen, I was there. I was there. And lastly, as we finish out with the, the topic of motivation, the big point is, why are we sharing our faith? What's the whole point? And Jesus says, hey, listen, don't, don't do it. Don't do it to out of insecurity. Don't do it, you know, even if you do it and you get hurt, don't get self-focused. Don't make it about yourself. But rather look at your motivation. Jesus says, don't celebrate don't celebrate because the demons submit to you. Celebrate because your names are written in the book. Well, what does that mean? And this has helped me a lot. Even in the past week as I've been trying to formulate this sermon is we make things about us. Even, even my ministry, you know, I work in, in the church, right? I can make my ministry about me. Right. And it can, it's about me. It's about things. And it can be that so quickly, so easily. Right. And it happens a lot where people walk away from the faith or something doesn't go right, or something doesn't go well, or an event is poorly attended. And I get discouraged, and it's usually because it's like, oh, am I a bad minister? Am I, is my ministry not so good? What's the and we do that with everything, with our job. I had a poor midterm review from my boss. We get down. Or I'm not getting the raise I think I deserve. Or my grades aren't there. Or my friendships aren't there. Or my boy, this guy doesn't like me. That girl doesn't like me. Right? But Jesus says, rejoice that your names are written. So when you go to a town in ancient times, there would be a, basically a manifest, a scroll of the citizens of that town. And you'd go there and check out whose name was written on the roll. We actually sang it earlier, right? And Monique was spinning. She was singing on the roll, right? On the roll. Right? What does it mean to have your name on the roll? We sing it. What does it mean? It means you're somebody. It means you're something. It means you go to the most exclusive uh, restaurant in Charlottesville and you go, um, uh, Scott? And I go, oh, right this way. You are on the list, as it were, right? You are on the list. You're on the roll. Your names are written. And how cool is it that it's not like your names are going to be written if you really share your faith hard enough. Your name's going to be written if you can convert 10 people. Your name's going to be written if you can get rid of that sin. Your names are written. It's, a, it's the perfect tense. It's past, present, future. Rejoice in this. Church, if we can rejoice that our names are written. If you're a disciple this morning, if you're not a disciple, amen, go after becoming a disciple. Study the Bible today. Talk to somebody about a Bible study. But our names are written. Celebrate in that. And I just had to repeat to myself all week, like when I get down or self-focused, my name's written. I'm somebody. Jesus has me on the roll. Jesus has my name on the roll. Who cares if everyone says no? 
Who cares if everyone is discouraging to me? Who cares if I don't have necessarily all that I need to be able to answer every question? My name's on the roll. Right. And you know what I found? Is that I actually wanted to share my faith with people. Yeah. And there was a lot less pressure. Yep. Right. There was a lot less pressure. Right. Because whether it went great, if it went great, praise God, if it went poorly, my name's on the roll. Right. It's all about that. So it's not just the mission, which we have a mission to go. It's not just the message, which is a message, not just of advice, but lordship. It's actually the motivation as well. Why do you do what you do? And let's go after really knowing that our names are written and let that be actually a part of us as we share our faith. Because we live in a world that this is, you know, they don't want to hear it, but what they will do is they'll see it. And so even if they say no to you, what people are kind of seeing too is how do you respond after that? Yep, that's right. Do you continue to love them? Yep, are right. you kind? Yep. Because if you make it about you, yep, you'll pull back. On. If that's you right. make it about you, you'll be mean. Like I've been there. You, you'll be sarcastic. You'll fight back. You, you'll, you'll think negative thoughts about them. But if you or rejoice, your name's written in heaven, you're going to keep loving them. Yep. You're going to keep being kind. And you know what? Hey, whether it's a year from now or 10 years Come from on, now, bro. we can say Paul's words and acts. You know, whether short time or long, right. I pray that you can become exactly what I am, except for these chains. Right. Jesus actually allowed himself to be blotted out from the book so that your name could be written. Jesus allowed himself to go to the cross to die so that your name could be written. You know, in the Old Testament it says, whose name will be blotted out for my sake? Jesus says, mine. I will blot out my own name so that you guys, so that you can be written in the school. We have a Lord who did that for us, and we're going to take the bread and the juice right now and celebrate that. And to dwell on the fact that we have a Lord, and we have Jesus who did so much just so that we can live life to the full, not in insecurity, not in fear, and not in some performance-based Christianity that will only leave you tired and discouraged. That we can celebrate that we are called to be messengers. Amen? Amen. 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 So we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to pass the trays.